Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you're listening to episode 107. You know, we have great sponsors on the show, and one of the sponsors this week is our uh, a guest who's been here before, uh, Robert Burke. And Robert has a game out there called Battle for Souls. Let's check in with Robert and see how the game's going. Robert, are you there? Hey, Richard. Yeah, I am. Thanks for calling. Hey, Robert, we only got a few seconds, but you have a uh, project out on Kickstarter. Uh, give us a, a 15, 20 second, 30 second rundown on it. Ah, well, Battle for Souls, it's a, it's a medieval card and dice game uh, where one side chooses the side of heaven and the other side plays the side of hell. And you are battling for the immortal souls of humankind. Sounds awesome. That's, and they can yeah. find it. And it's called, what's, what's it called on Kickstarter? It's called Battle for Souls. All right. We'll tell everybody to go take a look at it. Thanks, thanks Robert. All right. Thanks, Richard. See ya. My guest today on the show is uh, someone who's gotten a tremendous amount of press, but unfortunately, sometimes after the fact, uh, I have Christopher Williams, uh, excuse me, Christopher Williamson, who is uh, the creative genius and creative director behind Alpha Colony from DreamQuest Games. They've uh, just finished uh, ending their Kickstarter project, which got a lot of notoriety because it uh, just fell short. And I want to welcome Christopher to the show. Christopher, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Richard. Well, uh, we were talking a little bit beforehand. Um, you've gotten a tremendous amount of coverage and press and everybody talking about your project, but unfortunately, it's almost for the wrong reasons, isn't it? Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not, not too helpful at this point. <laughs> not so much. No. Well, tell us a little bit about the project, and then because there's some people on the, in the audience or, who are listening who might not know kind of a little bit about the history. So tell us a little bit about the project. Sure. Well, Alpha Colony is a game that actually I've been sort of working on for, I don't know, 12 years. So it's been very much a long time in the making. Um, and it was inspired by a game I played in my childhood called Mule. Um, and I really uh, enjoyed playing that with my family. And there's not a whole lot of games out there where you can really play. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of board games, games like Settlers of Catan, where you can have you know, uh, play games with, you know, a wide variety of people that may be more hardcore or maybe more casual or maybe your mom or grandmother or kids or whatever. Um, and I love games that really allow a mix of people to play together. And I don't see a lot of video games that really allow that today. There, there are some, you know, especially some of the Facebook games or, you know, World of Warcraft and some things like that, but still, um, you know, I kind of missed that. So I wanted to try and bring that, uh, bring that to bear today, you know, on a variety of devices and, you know, being able to play uh, sort of like words with friends where your friends maybe not playing at the same time, but you're still playing the same game together uh, and having a shared experience and, and being able to trash talk and, you know, and have people of different skill levels playing together is something I really wanted to see. And so um, we actually launched out the Colony Project previously back in July um, with the, uh, the licensors, uh, of the original mule IP. And they actually came to us kind of at the last minute as we were putting our Kickstarter up. So we kind of frantically modified our game to be much more like mule than we'd originally planned it to be, um, in an effort to take advantage of the license and, and work with them. Okay. Um, well, and then, so you get alpha colony, you get this opportunity for the licensing, you put it out there in June, July timeframe. And I think at the time you were asking for about $500,000, which, Sounds like a lot of money to somebody who maybe is raising twenty thousand for a board game, but for a video game, that's that's unfortunately that's not a lot of money. And I say unfortunately because it costs a lot of money to put together a high quality product, doesn't it? 
It does. And that was something we really struggled with, you know, and I was, you know, I was talking with my friend, you know, uh, Paul over at Replay Games. They had just finished their Leisure Suit Larry um, Kickstarter and they had raised half a million for that. Um, you know, and the guys over at uh, Venture Quest, had, you know, were, were doing a Space Quest uh, remake and they didn't, even have, they didn't even have a license and they were able to raise half a million. So, you know, I kind of thought, well, OK, here I've got the new license, you know, here I'm developing a 3D game. I said, well, how much can I, you know, how much is it going to cost me to make this game? And really, honestly, I mean, we were doing full 3D models of all the characters and the animations. And, you know, and this is not like a 2D retro game. I mean, this was a full, you know, immersive 3D game for three or, you know, four or five platforms and you know honestly that you know the cost to develop that and provide quality rewards and everything was about half a million so that's why i posted the kickstarter for that you know and i got a lot of flack because you know we were asking for half a million and people felt like that was too much especially the board game audience you know and a lot of them you know but to build a video game i mean you need several developers you need several artists you need sound guys you need expensive yeah, it's, it's tools almost, it's a whole movie production is what it is yeah I mean, and the tools you need, I mean, a license of Maya is like, is, you know, between five and $10,000 a seat, you know, and, you know, you, you need, so, you know, you need a lot of different tools that, that cost money and significant hardware, you know, not to bust on board gamers because I'm a huge fan of board gamers, but it is a lot easier to make a board game. I mean, and it, you know, some one guy in his garage with a, you know, color printer and some cardboard can probably put together a decent, you know, board game prototype at least. You know, and well, that, so it, but, it is a lot easier to do. It's a lot more accessible. But that brings up then the fact that from from a perspective, from an outside's perspective, when Kickstarter is doing very well for the board game space, yeah, you've got tons of board. I mean, we've lost track of just the millions of dollars even in t this year. There was two million last year. I think we're like six, eight, ten million dollars this year of successfully raised money for board games. The Kickstarter for video games, though, seems to have this boomer bust is that you've got the big winners, the, the Brian Fargo's with Wasteland, the double fines, yep. and then you've got the bus. And it seems like the only thing that you're able to put out is a tiny little iOS, iOS app. And even those seem to, to struggle. That's what the perspective is. The perception, excuse me, the perception is. Yeah. I mean, that definitely is a challenge. You know, I've, I've watched a lot of video game Kickstarters go by, you know, over the last year. And, and you're right. I think the percentage uh, failure rates on, on video games is quite a bit higher than it's for board games. Part of that, I think, is that the development budgets are higher. Um, part of it is the market fragmentation that I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, and, and, and the cost, I think the cost of video game, of building a video game is really, it's is hard for people that really comprehend, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I looked at my friends, uh, Tom Hall and, and Brenda were, were trying to put together uh, old school RPG and they put up Kickstarter, I guess that was back in um, November. Um, and, uh, you know, or shortly before our Kickstarter or somewhat in overlapping with ours. And, you know, they came up to like 300 or 400,000 about halfway through and they gave, they give up. You know, they were trying to raise a million, um, which was a pretty aggressive number, admittedly. Um, but, you know, Tom Hall and, and Brenda, I mean, they've got, you know, they've been building video games for 20 years. I mean, they're, they're like, you know, they're, they're well known and well established. And, um, you know, so if they're struggling, you know, you can imagine, uh, you know, for, you know, less, you know, smaller studios like ours or, or even, you know, startups or entrepreneurs, um, it, it's definitely a challenge. So that brings up then what kind of why you've suddenly become this this uh, publicity hotspot, and that is you relaunched the project. You made it one-tenth, $50,000, and uh, it still struggled. Can, tell everybody kind of what happened there. Well, I mean, there were a couple of things that went on there. I mean, we, you know, we got 
you know, we got a lot of feedback from our from our Kickstarter folks on the first one. Um, you know, admittedly, we gave up on the first one maybe halfway through because, you know, it was clear we weren't going to get the 500,000. And, you know, everybody kind of, you know, the, both the Kickstarter supporters as well as the Kickstarter people kind of realized that. And, you know, in hindsight, maybe we should have canceled it as opposed to just letting it sort of fail. Um, I don't know. But, um, you know, and the company, the, the uh, we were working with the family on the, the license and we had trouble, you know, they, they were concerned about renewing it. And, and, and uh, one of the things we were also trying to do was control our costs. And, um, you know, and we're like, okay, well, how can we get this down to something much, much smaller? And the board game group was like, board gamers is when we're saying, well, you, you know, 50,000, you should be able to do this for 50,000. And I'm like, how am I going to build a game for 50,000? You know, so we started to just break it down and we said, okay, you know, let's just take this game and ch- chop it up into a bunch of pieces. And so we end up creating stretch goals from 50,000 up to 300,000, you know, and so we pulled multiplayer out, for example, and people are like, well, how can you have this game without multiplayer? But, you know, we, we put out a survey and surprisingly, you know, most of our people said they really weren't that interested in multiplayer. And I don't know, for me, it was like, you know, multiplayer and mule, like, where, you know, like, why would you ever want to play against the computer? I mean, it seemed like, you know, playing with your friends was the whole point. But in um, today's day and age of video games, playing it's a different audience it's today. A different, it's it is. a different audience. You know, and so I, you know, we accepted the feedback that we got from our from our folks and said, okay, you know, for them, a single player campaign was something much more important to them, for example, than multiplayer. So we broke it out and kind of broke out the pieces. And, I, you know, I figured, okay, well, we'll do this again. What's the minimum amount we can definitely raise? I figured, well, we hit 105 in our first one, even after we gave up halfway through. So I figured, well, we can at least hit 50 without even trying. You know, and uh, but even that, that, and then the reason let's let's make sure the audience understands the reason you've gotten so much coverage is because the project failed twenty eight dollars shy of your goal twenty eight dollars, and I've read most of the coverage actually uh, because you know this has generated a lot of people screaming and yelling and pitchforks and torches and uh, even petitioning uh, Kickstarter to change the rules just for you guys. But that's not quite the way it looked. So, I mean, you guys failed at $28, but it sounds like uh, this is having seen other successful projects is that it was almost a test market, right? If if you can hit 50,000 and this thing keeps going, then you've got the stretch goals to take it to the game that you wanted to do. But you're right. At $50,000, you really can't deliver a product that you wanted to. Well, I mean, let, let, let's not get the cart before the horse. I mean, part part of what I said about the fifty thousand was, you know, just trying to sort of make sense of why of why we failed and what the lesson learned might be and why it might be good that perhaps even that we failed. Um, but getting back to the twenty eight dollar point, um, you know, things were very fast and furious there in the final hours. I mean, we were maybe two thousand short of the fifty thousand goal about you know a couple hours out. Um, you know, and we had, you know, big, a big supporter came in for like a thousand dollars or something like that, you know, in the last, like, you know, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, I don't know, you know, we had a whole bunch of people changing. The big problem really was that we had a whole bunch of people changing their pledges. So we had a lot of people that were either increasing their pledges or decreasing their pledges all in like the final minutes of the campaign. And I don't know if the people were decreasing their pledges because they figured, oh, they're going to make it so I can lower my pledge now. I, I, I don't know what the logic was. But like, I mean, people seem to think that like we sat at $28 for like two hours and I was like refusing to get out my credit card and put in 28 bucks. I mean, of course I would do that. I mean, it's technically against the Kickstarter rules. So, you know, you're not allowed. It's not against the rules of Kickstarter. It's against the rules of Amazon and Visa. And that's really where that rule comes from. Kickstarter doesn't care if you put in your own money. They're going to get their 10%. 
it's it's the Amazon side. And and let's just help people understand who haven't run a Kickstarter project what you're talking about. And that is uh, for those who are listening. Anytime one of your backers can back out, they can change their pledge back out, and it happens not frequently but regularly. And I guess to define that, and, and I'm talking to the audience here, and uh, Christopher can can attest to this. This is what he just said, and that is at the in the last minutes, you have backers who are some are canceling, some are changing their pledges, some are realizing that they wanted a higher pledge, so they're all of a sudden bumping it, trying to grab a higher pledge. Some are saying, you know what, I suddenly don't want this. They go down. And everything is very fluid, and sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. And when you're really close to that number, something like this can happen. And yes, it didn't. It's not like you were at a hundred dollars to go, seventy-five dollars to go, fifty dollars to go, twenty-five dollars to go. It wasn't like you were creeping up on the finish line like a race. Uh, yeah, that, that's for the most part true. You know, and I, I think there's a, the psychology of, of Kickstarter is very interesting. I mean, I think a lot of people in the end. You know, one of the things that we always struggle with is people want to, you know, I think there's definitely that logic of people want to back a winning horse, you know, and, and so, you know, a lot of people are sort of waiting on early in your project to see enough other people sort of jumping on the bandwagon before they jump on. And it's like, so when your final hours, you know, we were like really close and it seemed like it was really clear we were going to make it, you know, we finally, finally got some pretty good updates from some other, you know, thankfully the guys at Shadowgate gave us a shout out and, you know, and, and some other Kickstarters gave us some, some pretty nice last minute coverage that really helped us, you know, get where we needed to go. Um, but, um, what I was, sorry, what I was getting at is that a lot of people, I think, you know, the psychology is they, they wait to the last minute cause they want to, either they want to be the, the white knight to jump in there at the last minute and sort of save the project or they don't want to commit their money until they know it's going to happen, which is kind of silly because the way the Kickstarter works, if you put a pledge in and they don't make it, nothing, your car, car doesn't even get charged. So, you know, there's really, it, it really is a pretty loss, you know, a, a risk-free, pledge essentially I mean, if they don't make their money for their, their if they don't make the goal of their pledge then the money doesn't come off your card so there really isn't a whole lot of risk there but i think there's still the perception people like well they don't want to commit unless they know it's going to succeed and that really is there's that psychological and we see it over and over again in so many other projects that psychologically there might uh that literally there's no risk but psychologically they just don't want to put their money with something that's going to fail but I think what's kind of interesting about my particular project, because we did hover right on the edge there um, in the final moments, is I think, you know, we saw a little bit of the reverse of that, which is some people probably felt like, oh, they're not going to make it. I'm going to pull out or yes, they are going to make it or they think, oh, my gosh, they're going to make it. Cool. You know, I bumped up my pledge just to kind of help them make it. But now that I know they're going to make it, I'm going to pull back. That's right. And 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 this sounds all funny, but if you imagine hundreds of people doing this all at the same time in parallel, that was the situation we were in in the final hour. And and you can see that when you go to kick track, it clearly shows um, those 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 things type of things happening on a daily basis. And so that's one one of the things that you can find out is watch how a little bit of this fluctuation happens. Now, in your guys's case, and it sounds like. And nobody likes to plan for a failure, but it sounds like that this really was a test to say, hey, we raised 100000 in that first one. Let's see if we can get to 50000 and maybe this thing catches on and then can go all the way up to $300,000. You know, not the whole 500000 we were asking for, but maybe find some momentum there. And, it's, and it sounded like the reason that it's not necessarily a bad thing that it failed is that, that, you're still, that you still need to find – the magic that works for the majority of your audience out there. And it sounds like this, this project still wasn't quite there. Well, that's not really true. I mean, that, that, 
perhaps that some of that is a little bit, some of that is sour grapes a little bit in the sense of sort of justifying our failure, perhaps, um, you know, and seeing the positive in it, you know, that certainly wasn't our intention going into it. You know, I was quite happy to, you know, if we had 50,000, I'm like, okay, that's the absolute bare bones game I could build, like the smallest, simplest thing that would do what I, you know, that would deliver part of the vision would be at 50,000. So that was where we, that was where we started, you know, and then we had stretch goals from there. And thankfully, you know, we did in the final, in the final week there, I came up with some sort of creative ways. We got some, some money, dollar matching, uh, from the state of Colorado film and film, uh, incentive program and from another private backer that kind of helped us double. So if we reached the 50,000 point, we would at least be able to reach our hundred thousand dollar stretch goals. So, you know, that was, that was pretty significant and I was pretty happy with that accomplishment. So, you know, certainly I did not go into the into this with that expectation. Um, you know, yes, I was hoping that we would be able to reach, you know, 150 or something or 200,000. I figured, you know, we reached 105 in two or three weeks the first time, you know, we shouldn't have too much trouble reaching 150 or 200 the second time. Um, you know, and the stretch goals, you know, I'd watched, you know, uh, planetary annihilation guys, you know, they had like, you know, dozen or uh, like 50 different stretch goals. They had this huge galactic map worth of stretch goals, um, you know, and that seemed really compelling and, and really exciting. And so we were sort of, you know, modeling after some of that. Um, so yes, you know, we were hoping that we would end up coming in at 150 or 200 or something, but, you know, we were quite prepared to come in at 50 and, and, you know, and make the project, um, you know, which actually kind of brings up another interesting point, I think, which is comparing our first Kickstarter to our second, you know, and questioning, you know, well, why in the first Kickstarter did you end up raising more money um, than you did in the second? And, you know, I think there's some very interesting things, even though we learned a lot. And I think we did a lot of things better the second time around than we did the first. Um, you know, we learned some sort of hard lessons, I think, uh, you know, the second time around as well. All right. Well, I certainly, we're out of time. Uh, it's been a fascinating discussion. I certainly appreciate, Christopher, you taking some time to kind of talk about, uh, about this. It, uh, again, we were laughing that it sure would have been nice to get this kind of coverage before the pr uh, project ended. Maybe it, maybe it would have made things a little bit different, but I certainly appreciate your time. Well, yeah, and let me just, as a, as a final plug, let me just say, you know, definitely, you know, Alpha Colony is not dead. I mean, I've been working on this game for 12 years. It's not, I, I can't give it up. I've got too much of my own personal time and money invested in it at this point. Um, so it's going to happen. So I would really encourage the folks out there to come come check out our site at alphacolony.com and uh, like alphacolony.com on Facebook. That's really the best way for you guys to connect up with us. And that way we can kind of let you know about the next Kickstarter because we will have one at some point. It's not going to be right away. Way, but we will have something again in the future, um, you know, once we can figure out, you know, really the right way to do this and make sure that we line up coverage and stuff in advance and, you know, and correct some of our mistakes that we made in the first, the first times. Perfect. Uh, that's alphacolony.com. All right. Thank you, Richard. Christopher, thank you. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on, on Kickstarter. Our guest has been Christopher Williamson, the creative director of DreamQuest Games and their project Alpha Colony, which gained tremendous exposure and press because it came up short. And uh, we, hate to see, we hate to see that, but uh, hopefully it'll help drive the interest for their next one. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you've heard something that's been inspiring. We look forward to seeing your Kickstarter project out there so that we can help fund your dream. Take care.